This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Uh, I am actually taking, I'm digressing from our usual sermon series uh, that, that we, we've been going through. We've been studying the book of Matthew. And if you are a member here at Commission or you attend regularly or you've been following online, you, knew, you know that we follow the teaching of God's word in an expository way where we take books of the Bible, we break it down, and we study it verse to verse, chapter to chapter, passage by passage, uh, just for the sake of us growing as individuals, as Christians, as believers. Uh, I, I knew that I wouldn't do justice to the time in front of us if we continued in the sermon series. And once in a while, it's good to take a break. But what, what, what actually propelled me to take a break, uh, it's just going to be a one-week break, but propelled me to take a one-week break is in fact the Wednesday service we just had. And we were in the presence of God this last Wednesday, and it was such a powerful move. How many of y'all were here Wednesday? Y'all felt the powerful move of God. Man, it was powerful. It was great, mighty. If you don't attend Wednesday services, you guys need to start attending Wednesday services. Those are powerful, life-changing times. Uh, We were here, and God started speaking to us in a powerful way about what the church should be and how the church should look like. Uh, And in that, I I was in this whole week, I was in the presence of God praying and asking God, God, what do you want us to do as a church going into this new season of ministry? October 28th of this year, we turned four years old as a church. We've been in this building, uh, come October 28th, we'll be in this building for one year. We're almost outgrown this building. We moved to two services. Uh, We're back at one service for the summer and soon we're going back to two services and asking God, God, what is it that you want us to do and focus on this coming year? We have a conference happening on the 28th and the 29th of, of uh, 28th to 30th of October. I'm kind of excited about that. The, you, you guys register. It's going to be amazing. We have some amazing guest speakers lined up, and it's going to be an amazing time in the presence of God. But leading up to that and going into the new year, we're kind of asking God for wisdom as to what he wants us to do. And as we, as we were in a, in, a, in, a, in a time of prayer over this week, God started speaking to us about the importance of leaning in on the presence of God and understanding the importance of the presence of God and hosting the presence of God. What does it mean to be hosts of the presence of God? So I pray that you will listen to this message with so much diligence this morning. Take notes as we always do. Uh, we, you can follow along in the Bible app. Uh, the, the notes are going to be on the Bible app. So if you have the Bible app on your phone, all you got to do is open your camera, scan that QR code. It's going to take you to the Bible app, and you're going to be able to follow along in the notes there. If not, the notes are going to be here. Follow along with us. I'm going to make a statement, and it's probably going to alarm you at first, but I want you to follow with me. There's one thing that you can do as a Christian. There's one thing you can do as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. There's one thing that you can do as a person that loves God. And that one thing God cannot do. Okay? God cannot do that. What are you saying, Pastor Oshers? That's blasphemy. What can God not do? I'll tell you. He cannot worship That's one thing that we were made to do. That's one thing that we can do. God does not worship. If there's one thing that God cannot do, he can't worship. Why, Pastor Ashish? Because you need someone higher 
or something higher and more powerful than you to worship. There is none above God. There is nobody that is above God. He is the highest. He is the most transcendent being. He is, he is incomparable. And he is worthy of all worship. And no, he has no one else to worship. In the pursuit of everything, we know that our calling and our deepest calling is to worship God. And in that, you and I as Christians and believers need to understand that worship is never about us. Worship is not about us. Worship is asking nothing from, seeking nothing from him, but being in, in total surrender and being totally satisfied with God and him alone. Worship at its core is about relationship. See, the way you worship talks a lot about your relationship with the one that you worship. You become who you worship. See, worship is connected to all. Worship is connected to all. You can't worship something that you are not in awe of. Worship is connected to all. See, we live in this amazing world that doesn't lack for awe-inspiring marvels and creations and nature and technology. Name it. It's all there. And it's critical that we don't become deadened to the wonder because astonishment is a raw material for worship. So many of us come into the presence of God and we are not awed in the presence of God because sometimes we're just so used to it. For a lot of us, worship is something that we just do. It's a pattern, it's a structure, it's a thing that we, we've done from time immemorial, and it's a thing that we will continue to do. But I want to remind somebody before I get into this message, the moment we lose that childlike wonder, the sense of childlike wonder, it's hard to worship with passion. It's hard to worship King Jesus with true integrity and honor when you and I lose that true passion that should be inside of us. So I want you to turn your attention to Acts chapter 2, where we'll begin our study this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 43, the Bible says, And the church, they devoted themselves, the people that were saved and baptized, and the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So listen to this trajectory of things that they did. They dis disciplined themselves to teaching, to the learning of the word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayers. Four things. We go through this in growth track every session. It's important that we understand this. Everyone, verse 43, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. People may argue and say people were just filled with awe about the signs and the wonders, but that would not have even happened if they didn't dis discipline themselves to the presence of God. See, we've got to understand that signs and wonders will happen when we discipline ourselves to the essential things of discipleship and the essential things of being Christ's follower. I hope we understand that as a church. As a church, as, as, as a group of people in unity, because the Bible says this, and everyone, each and every, not one person was left behind. Not one person said, we didn't receive something. Not one person said, hey, you know, we didn't, we were not, we, we, we didn't get anything out of worship. No, no, no. Every single person that disciplined themselves to the studying of the word of God, to giving of themselves, every person that disciplined themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayers and coming into the presence of God and worshiping, every one of them were filled with awe. This is good. 
You cannot have the second without having or being fulfilled in the first. The, the, the qualification of enjoying the presence of God and the, the wonders and the signs performing, is it all hinges upon a group of people that can discipline themselves to the presence of God and to host the presence of God in a very fulfilling way. I hope you're catching on to this. See, in authentic worship, there's always a sense of awe. You'll be inclined to worship anything that you're in awe of. Anything that you're like, oh man, that's amazing. It could be sports. It could be a sports team, okay? It could be a, a, a person. It could be an individual. It could be an organization. It could be a work, okay? If you worship, you, you will be in awe of a thing that you worship. See, worship is a product of admiration of the transcendent. We can admire without worshiping. But we cannot worship without admiring because worship is admiration of the one that transformed you. This, this morning, I, I want to drive this point across that worship is important. Someone say worship is important. But even more important than that is honoring the presence of God. Even more important that, than that is to stand in the presence of God and say, man, we will honor the presence of God with everything we have. How do you honor the presence of God? How do you host the presence of God? I'm going to give you three points and we're going to close this message, okay? Point number one, treasure the wonder. I just started talking about this, treasure the wonder. There's, a, there's an amazing English adage that goes, familiarity breeds contempt. When you get familiar with something and when you get accustomed to something and when you get so used to something, you always just look over it, you're, you're, you don't care about it, there's not second thought that you give into it, but I pray that we as a church will flee contempt. Someone say flee contempt. This is important. I pray that as a church and as a body of Christ that we will always be in awe of the presence of God. That we will stay committed to the awe of the presence of God. When you get familiar with the presence of God, man, we forget the majesty of God. We forget how majestic he is, how powerful he is, how he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the savior of our souls. There's so many things about God and the characteristics of God that is explored and comes to light when you and I worship him unashamedly. In Genesis chapter 28 and verse 17, the Bible says this. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? Jacob is saying, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. A man and a woman that has truly encountered Jesus in the presence of God will always leave that place awestruck by the presence of God. If you have a million things running through your mind, if you have things about some of y'all are sitting here and you're wondering what's for lunch, there's nobody that's going to say amen because you know you're guilty of this. You're wondering where to go. You're probably looking up on Google Maps right now. You're looking up reviews. You're looking up pictures. You're, you're salivating. I can, I can see some big gulps. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm telling you, there's so many distractions that we experience. Like, are we so familiar that we are not in awe of the presence of God? For a lot of people, you're like, Pastor, we, we come to church. Yeah, the presence of God is there, but man, we don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. I've not felt anything in a long time. Can I remind somebody today? It's not that God is not doing anything. We can, like the question really is, can we see what he's doing if he's doing it? Are we veiled or can we actually see what God is doing? If you're not seeing, if you're seeing it with familiar eyes, you're probably missing it. 
I remember the awe that I had when I was first a Christian. I was baptized. I was, man, I, I, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. I remember that day, man, that season of my life was, was I was sold out for Jesus. I was worshiping him. I was shouting it out from the rooftops. I was bringing people to youth group. I was bringing people to church. It was all about Jesus all the time, every time. And something that happened to David happened to me in Psalms 51. It says, Lord, I, uh, you know, restore the joy of my salvation. How many of you have been through that experience where you haven't lost your salvation? That doesn't happen. But when, when, when you go through that season where you're like, Lord, I, you know, something went, I'm struggling through this, Lord. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling to get closer to you. I'm struggling to pray. I'm struggling to worship. Sometimes we get so familiar with the presence of God that we overlook the presence of God. Am I talking to somebody? And David says, restore, Lord, the joy on my salvation. Some of you are sitting over here. It needs to make commitment to God and say, God, you know what? It's getting too familiar, God. I pray that you will restore the joy of worship, the joy of your presence. I pray, God, that we will learn how to honor the presence of God in our lives. Anything that becomes common loses value. Anything that becomes abundance loses its grandeur. Church, anything that is available everywhere loses its purpose. Like, do you know that the pineapple was one of the most prized fruits many, 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 many years ago? Many years ago. I'm not talking about the 1994, of course, I'm not. But back, 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 back in the day, you know, they, they, only, they discovered that pineapples were only found in Hawaii. And people from all over the world made sure that they took pineapples all over the world to see if they can plant it. And they were, they've, been, they've been actually sold for $8,000 at one point in time. They would use pineapples as ornaments at homes. The rich and the famous will buy pineapples because they were in awe of this fruit here in America and all across the world. And then pineapples were grown, start, started growing everywhere and people just started like getting used to it. And then the 8,000 became 4,000 and the 4,000 became 1,000 and the 1,000 became a dollar. Am I talking to somebody today? It's crazy when you have it, you see the awe inside of it, the power inside of it. We treat the presence of God as common. It's not that God is not showing up. God will show up. It's his presence. He's, he's always there to usher. His, that, that's there. But how many of us are missing the presence of God this morning? I want to take you to this, this scripture real quick in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. The Bible says this in 1 Chronicles chapter number 13, verses 9 to 10. There's a story about this man called Uzzah. And the Bible says, when they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put out his hand to take hold of the ark. For the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before the Lord. I'm going to break this down for those of y'all who had no clue about what I read. Here's the presence of God, the ark of the covenant that would reside in this box in the Old Testament times. This ark that contained the presence of God was stolen when, when the Israelites were defeated by the Philistines. The Philistines took this ark of the covenant and they took it away into another land. They took it away to another land and, 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 and it, it came out of this land and, and, and then it came to the house of this man when it was rescued. They went to war again. Long story short, the people of Israel regained this, this ark and, this, and it was put in this house of this man called Uzzah. 
Okay, Obed-Edom was his dad's name. Uzzah and Ahio were the two boys, two sons in that house. 20 years, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God resided in their home. You got to understand this, 20 years. These boys grew up around the Ark of the Covenant. These boys played hide and seek behind, around the Ark of the Covenant. These boys were so familiar with it. It wasn't something that was that sacred in their eyes because it was just another sighting for them. It was another regularity for them. It was just another object for them. So when the ark had to be moved and David said, who's going to move the ark? Guess who said they'll do it? It was Uzzah and it was Ahio. The two boys that innocently ran around this ark like nothing ever happened. They said, hey, we will take this ark. We will take on the duty of bringing it to you. Why? Because 20 years. We're veterans. We, we, we know what, this like, what, what, what it's like. We know how, to, how, how, how heavy this is probably. We know what, what this contains. We know how to get it to where it's supposed to. So they said, you know what? We'll take ownership of this. Surprisingly, the word Uzzah means strong one. That's what it means. It means strong one. So the strong one said, I got this. I'll take the cart. I'll put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart and we'll drag the cart all the way to where it belongs. And the Bible says the oxen that were actually like taking this cart, they stumbled, they tripped. And as soon as the oxen tripped, the Ark of the Covenant shook and everybody freaked out. And when everybody freaked out, they said, whoa, what's going to happen? And Uzzah, the strong man, said, I got this. He said, I got this. And guess what he did? He put his, his hand on the Ark of the Covenant. And what we read there was what happened to this man. How cruel, pastor. How can God do that to a man? But God continuously reminds the people of Israel, my presence is not something that you play with. My presence is not something that you put on any vehicle and run around with. My presence is not supposed to be put on things that shake and quiver and jolt. My presence is supposed to be on priests. My, my presence is supposed to be upheld and hosted in the lives of people that love Jesus and that are sold out for the cause of Jesus. That's where my presence is supposed to be. Not on some vehicle. In the church, there are so many vehicles that drive the presence of God. I need to talk to somebody here. There's organizations that are driving the presence of God. There are boards that drive the presence of God. There are worship teams that probably take it on on their talent and their skill. And they drive the presence of... Hmm. I'm asking you today. What is the vehicle that you have taken on the presence of God? What's, what's self-driving the presence of God today? Come on. Because worship is a responsibility. It's a responsibility that you harbor, that you put on your shoulders. It's not a responsibility that you just pass on to somebody or something. I come into the presence of God Sunday after Sunday, Pastor, I'm here for worship. No, 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 no. You bring the presence of God with you when you come into the presence of God. You don't come on a Sunday morning expecting something miraculous to happen in the place of worship. No, you are the temple of the living God. You walk with the presence of God. When you walk in here, you better be prayed up. You better be worshipped up. You better have the presence of God burning inside of you. And when people come together with the presence of God, amazing, powerful, beautiful, mind blowing breakthrough can happen in any place 
Don't sit back wondering why there's no breakthrough when you yourself are not a host for the presence of God. We want everybody else to be a host. We're, we're, we're passing the buck onto every, every cart and every oxen. And when it shakes, oh, all oh, hell is bait. We don't know what to do. So let's just use our strength to, to hold it in place. No, no, no. Your smarts and your wisdom is not going to come in place. Your knowledge is not going to come to the rescue because you started off wrong. Am I talking to somebody here? Never treat the presence of God anything less than awe. It always has to be treated with honor, respect, love. The man dies and everybody's like, what happened? He's dead. Dead. So David says, what's going to happen? We're, we've got to come up with a plan. So guess what? They go back and they go back, store this, 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 the Ark of the Covenant. And God's like, God's like, David, what's going on, buddy? David's like, God, I don't know. I try to do it with my own power. I try to bring an army. He had, he had thousands of people. He said, I, I did it the right way, God. You, you gave me an army. I brought the army. And God's like, is that really what hosts the presence of God? Was it the army that I asked you to take? David, who handles the presence of God? And David says, the priests. You know who we are called to be? We're called to be priests of the living God. You and I are priests of the living God, that carriers of the presence. Someone say carriers of the presence. And God looks at him and says, no, no, no. That's not supposed to be put on any vehicle, in any cart, and anything you think is good, and it's not supposed to be handled and, and, and mishandled and manhandled by anybody and everybody, buddy. That's sacred. That's powerful. And he says, go back. Go back to the drawing board. So he goes back to the drawing board, and he says, this time we're going to go back. We're going to leave the thousands of soldiers behind. We're going to leave a heel behind, the surviving brother. We're going to leave him behind because it's not by power. It's not by might. David, remember what you said when you were a little boy? Facing a Goliath, I need you to go in with that attitude. What attitude is that, Lord? Not by power, not by might, but by the, but by the power and the Spirit of God Almighty. So he assembles a group of priests, carriers of the presence. Someone say carriers of the presence. The carriers of the presence go and carry this ark. And the Bible says the ark comes back into Jerusalem where it belongs. Awe and wonder is something that we should never lose. How do I honor the presence of God? The second one is worship intimately. Write it down. Worship intimately. Ha. Huh. Go to Exodus 19 for me. Exodus chapter 19. Verse 5 and 6. This is what the Bible says. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Underline that word, obey my voice. Keep my covenant. Verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He looks at the people and says, you guys are going to be a kingdom of priests. These are the words that you will speak to the people of Israel. He says, man, this is you. This is your calling. This is your mission. So, so think about this. This is what God calls them. He says, you guys are a kingdom of priests. Say kingdom of priests. The next chapter, Exodus 20, verse 18 to 21. After defining them, 
After giving them identity, guess what happens? In Exodus 20, verse 18, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. Someone say, stood far off. This sounds a lot like a lot of Christians today. I like what I'm seeing, but I'm gonna stand a little far off. Verse 19, then, and, and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that they, the fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. Verse 21, but the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Oof. Here's a God that says, come to me. Here's a God that says, I want to have intimacy. Here's a God that says, hey, this is going to be an intimate moment of worship between you and me. And there's a people that look at the presence, the visible, tangible presence of God. And they're like, we're going to be bystanders. Pastor, I hope you don't mind, but we're going to, we're going to be pretty far off. You do the praying, pastor. Can you fast for me, pastor? Because we're going through a hard time. Hey, come through. We're, we're going we're gonna to pray on Wednesday service. I don't know about that, pastor. I, I don't know if we have the time. For, no, no, no. Stand far off and expect the priest to do the bidding for you. Expect Moses to do the bidding for you. Oh, pastor, if that's the case, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that worship is an intimate expression Okay, it's, it's an, it, someone say intimate expression. Because for a lot of people, clapping is about demonstrating. Clapping of hands. Okay, if you clap your hands, raise your voice, hands lifted up, great, great. I'm, I'm not saying don't do that. I do that. I love raising my hand. I love clapping. I love jumping up and down. I love falling on my feet. All that is good. That's biblical. But worship is not all about that. I need somebody to listen to me. Worship is about intimacy. Married people know what I'm talking about. Like, you can't, my bedroom, right, as a married man, and my wife and I, my bedroom is a place of intimacy. It's a, it's a place where my wife and I are, are, are comfortable. It's our sacred place. I can't walk into my bedroom and start clapping. Am I talking, any, any husbands do that? My wife is the sweetest thing on planet Earth, but if I start clapping in my bedroom, she's going to give me the stank Houston look. It's going to be like, really? What you doing? You better stop what you're doing right now. When I try to conversate with my kids, I don't start clapping in front of them. No, no, no. Not, I don't. I go down to their level. I pull them closer to me. It's an intimate moment of conversation where I try to explain to them the heart of the Father and why I'm disciplining them or why they're going into timeout or why I'm about to give them an embrace and tell them I'm proud of them or why I'm telling them that I'm not proud of them in this very moment and how they can make... It's a very intimate... Am I talking to somebody? Watching others worship isn't worship. I'm going to step on some toes today. Are y'all okay with that? Some of y'all are like, man, I chose a bad Sunday to visit this church. I thought pastors are supposed to preach like some good stuff where I could say amen. No, I'm not. This is some, this is some stuff that I'm going to say right now that God has asked me to say, so bear with me. See, watching someone worship does not position myself in the presence of God. 
That's not what worship is. Worship isn't about just folding your hands and just watching a bunch of people worship and just swaying your, your no, 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 that's not it. It's intimate. It's you and God moment. It's about positioning yourself. It's about participating. Can we be honest for a second? Is that okay? It's weird to watch someone else that's intimate with, with somebody else. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, nobody enjoys watching two people that are intimate. It's an awkward thing to do. Am I talking to somebody? You immediately look at them and say, get a room. It's, a, it's very awkward. <laughs> like, it's uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not concerned about everyone else that's in the room because I'm focused on God, y'all. I'm not focused on what they're wearing. I'm not focused on what they're doing. I'm not focused on how they're doing, what they're doing. I have no time for that. This moment is a God moment. I'm I'm in awe of the presence of God. I get to do this in the presence of God. I have an amazing worship team that has practiced all week, fasted all week, prayed all week, and they are in the presence of God, ushering in the Holy Spirit. And man, I should not waste my time looking at other people and, and focusing on what they're doing. Hmm. Worship must be God-directed. It's this unspoken misunderstanding that the worship team has to do something for me. Can I talk to somebody? Oh, man, worship was, it wasn't that great today. Why? What happened? Oh, God. Those songs, I, I didn't understand those songs. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the emails I get sometimes. It's not the worship team's responsibility to drag us into the presence of God. It's our responsibility to posture our hearts to enter in the presence of God, church. Before you walk into these doors, we have to be prayed up. We have to be worshiped up. Like if we, God help me, Lord. If, if we had intimate moments of worship before we walked into these rooms, you have no business, you have no time looking at, looking at John or, 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 or Pop or, or, or Mary or whoever the other person is. They, they are immaterial. This moment is between Jesus and me. That's all I care about. Your favorite song is not worship. Yikes, that hurt somebody. Oh, this is my jam. Come on, let's worship. In the car, I see people like going at it. I don't know what you're listening to, but man, my jam. Pastor, let's, let's, this song is what we need to worship on on Sunday. I'm like, uh, sorry, <laughs> we may or may not sing that song. That might not be even glorifying God. It might sound good on radio, but I'm not sure we're going to lead that or sing that. Some of you are like, man, when I hear that song, oh, the hair on the back of my, it stands up. No, 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 that's not, that's not worship. I'm being honest today. That's not worship. You know why? Because it has to do with you and how it makes you feel good. Yikes. We love us some us. And this makes me feel good. So, hey, this might be good worship. No, no, no. True worship should wreck you. 
True worship should drive you to tears. True worship should make you go into the bathroom and say, I wish I brought makeup with me. True worship should make you go on your knees and bruise and have callous knees. True worship should make you fall on your face. True worship should make you forget about who's standing next to you. Come on, somebody. I told the people next to me, I'm like, y'all better watch out because I'm going to punch somebody today. <laughs> Not intentionally, but that's, that's who I am in worship, y'all. Like, y'all have no idea what I've been through in my life. How I worship is a direct representation of all the stuff that the devil has taken me through. And I'm punching him back in his face, telling him, I don't know an explanation to anybody about the way I worship. Because worship is an intimate moment between me and God. And we will never honor the presence of God unless you and I understand that worship is all about God. Point number three, I'm going to close with this. The third way you honor the presence of God is when you worship sacrificially. Worship involves sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice. Worship is giving, not getting. If somebody ever told you that worship is all about you coming into the presence of God and getting something from God, they were not entirely false. They were not entirely truthful to you either. See, this is something that we have to understand. Every time people worship God, there was sacrifice involved in the Bible. There's always sacrifice involved. In Romans 12:1, it reaffirms that. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, in the view of who God is and his mercy and his love and his grace, man, this is what he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is about dethroning ourselves to enthrone the one that is worthy of praise. Worship team, you guys can get ready to take those keys or John, you can get ready. I'm sorry. This, this is where I'm, I'm kind of bringing this to a close and I want y'all to listen to me carefully. See, it's important for us as worshipers to worship God outside of your comfort zone and what seems normal sometimes. But pastor, that, that's a little too undignified. Really? For whom? He hung naked on a cross for you and for me. Tell me a little more about your, your undignified insecurities. When the Lord says, and the Bible says, man, lift up a shout of praise. The Bible wasn't referring to people that were outgoing or those who have this aggressive personality or these outgoing, Pastor, I'm just not them. I'm me. I'm like this. I'm towards myself. I'm like, I like, I like to keep it private. No, 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 no. For you quiet ones, I'm just going to think some happy thoughts. I'm going to be satisfied. No, no, no. God's like everyone that has a breath, praise the Lord. That's what he says. Everything that has a breath, praise the Lord. And in order for, prop, for us to properly worship, there has to be sacrifice. If it stops with your comfort, that's not worship. I want to remind somebody today. Worship is a privileged church. And can I remind somebody today? The enemy is not happy when you worship. And, and you're probably like, why, pastor? I'll tell you why. Because, because sometimes through worship, you get attacked. You get, you're setting yourself up for attack sometimes. Why? You know why? Because you have the ability to do what he was created to do. I want you to listen carefully. You are doing in the presence of God 
what Satan was initially and originally created to do. This better change some perspectives today. Lucifer, before he was this, he, he, he fell, he was this, he's referred to as a fallen angel, but he was the chief worshiper. Am I talking to somebody? Mm. When he moved, sounds exuded out of his being. That's how powerful of a worshiper Lucifer was. But he began to understand that he was not a reflection of his creator, but he felt like the light that was shining through him was something about him. He thought it was his light. He didn't know that he was just created to reflect the light. He was so full of himself that he didn't see the need for God. And I'm going to be very blunt and honest this morning. The only one who doesn't think they need to worship a creator is the one who's so obsessed with themselves. And I'm sorry if this steps on some toes, but it stepped on mine when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. But we're in a season where we don't place value over God's house. And something's got to change. I'm praying that we as a church will be a church of worshipers. And what that means is sometimes it's important to be on time for worship. I know some of y'all are guests joining us in worship and I'm reminding y'all as y'all go back to your churches, I want you to take this word with you. Please. It's important to be on time for worship. Can I tell you why? Please don't tune out. Please don't be like, oh, here's his lecture. No, no, no. Please listen up, listen up. It's the one thing that is not for us. Worship is not for us. It's for God. That mentality of as long as we get there before the second song starts, we should be good. We should get our, we should, we should get our, our share of worship in. Oh, there, there's still two songs remaining. They do three songs. It's so scripted, right? Everyone knows. Y'all didn't know they were going to do two songs today, right? See, it's not scripted sometimes. Sometimes we just flow with the Spirit. Sometimes we have to tell the worship team, hey, just flow in the script. And they cut down a song just because we just want to spend time in the presence of God in worship. As long as we get there before Pastor Osher teaches the word, we good. I have my share of notes on my journal. You know, I can read it throughout this week. Worship, eh, eh. See, the word, the teaching of the word is for us. It's for us. It's to fill us. But worship is not for us. That's for God. You got to understand this. The reason we do that is because the worship experience is not all about us. It's about our Creator. I hope this drives real deep in, y'all. And we have the nerve to show up late to it because, because of inconvenience. Church, I, I want us to be very serious about this church. Please, please take this to heart. If you want to honor the presence of God, stop treating the presence of God casual. We should not grow casual with Christ. Honoring God is important. We have coffee out there. Yes, we do. For people that need coffee, we do. But during worship, if you need to take a sip, if you have to take a sip, take a sip, but put it down. In the presence of God, your hands belong to Jesus. Your feet belong to Jesus. If you're physically able, you give yourself to Jesus in an attitude of worship because He deserves every bit of it. He gives us 168 hours a week 
and he gets two of those on a Sunday morning and we still can't show up on time. I'm going to make a statement and I want you to hear this. If you miss worship, you give God nothing. And if you gave God nothing, you can't receive anything. Because out of the giving heart comes the abundance. You have to understand this. I see some people and I don't see them again for three weeks. Pastor, I watched online. Yeah, I'm sure you did, but where were you here when you had to be with us in fellowship, worshiping God, in the presence of God? Am I talking to somebody today? Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.